You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. What happened on Pentecost in Mount Sinai, what did God do? God established His kingdom in a people. But what does He do in Acts chapter 2? God establishes His kingdom in a person, in an individual. And when he visited them, how did he come upon them? With fire, just like Mount Sinai, with fire. And just like the whole mountain shook at Mount Sinai, the room shook when the Holy Spirit rushed into that room. Pastor Holland will wrap up his message on the Spring Feast today. And what we've seen all along is that God's plan for relationship with us has never faltered. From Egypt to the desert, the cross to Pentecost, God has never left to forsaken his children. He pursues us relentlessly to connect with us and be close with us. If you haven't accepted his love or are running from him, recognize today that throughout all of history, he has poured his love out for you. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 as he continues his message, Spring Feasts. The first of Aviv begins our new year that's associated with our redemption, what God has done in our life. On the 10th of Aviv, the Passover lamb is brought into the home. On twilight, the 14th of Aviv, the Passover lamb is slain. On the 15th of Aviv, Israel leaves Egypt by night, right? Dark. When you're in a grave, what is it? Dark, right? So by night, they leave, and then... And that's a high Sabbath, and on the 17th of Aviv, the weekly Sabbath occurs, so that on the 18th of Aviv, the Feast of Firstfruits is celebrated. And all of this points to the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Now, if, you, if we just had that, that would be pretty amazing, right? Just knowing that, that God told us about these things ahead of time would be pretty mind-blowing. But there's more. God not only told us what would happen, but he told us the day it would happen. The day it would happen. There's a prophecy in Daniel referred to as the 70 weeks of Daniel. And so many people jump to the last week of Daniel, the 70th week, and that's where they focus their attention. But the 70th week of Daniel, or the 70 weeks of Daniel, is is about so much more than that. It reveals to us God's plan of redemption. In chapter 9 of Daniel, it says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, not for himself, And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war desolations are determined. 
Now, this prophecy mentions seven weeks, and then 62 weeks, and then a final week. That seven weeks, in that seven weeks, there would be, the streets would be built again, the wall would be built again in Jerusalem, and guess what happens? From the day that the decree went out for the, the temple to rebuild, to be restored in Jerusalem, seven weeks, or also could represent seven years, seven years after that day, guess what happened? The wall was built. The streets were built in Jerusalem to the day. 62 weeks after that. 62 years after that. Guess what happens? To the very day. Now, I'm not going to go through all the math because it's, it's, a, it's a complicated thing to kind of explain it to you. But without going through all the math, to the day, Jesus came riding in to Jerusalem on a colt. Palm Sunday, where Jesus came riding in on a colt to declare himself as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah. The Messiah had been revealed. Riding on a donkey. Why a donkey? Because he didn't come as a warrior. He came in peace. If he was coming as a warrior, he would come on a white horse, just like he is in Revelation chapter 19 with all of us. When, when he returns the second time, he's not coming with peace. He's coming to bring war. He's coming to bring judgment. Is there a day of judgment coming? There's absolutely a day of judgment coming. Is it now? Absolutely not. But there is a day coming. There is a day coming. And when he comes on that day, he'll be riding a white horse. But on this day, he came as the Prince of Peace riding on a donkey into Israel. And it was to the very day that Daniel prophesied hundreds of years earlier. Now, just that right there would be cool, right? That would be pretty awesome right there. But let me tell you something about this day that Jesus rode in on a donkey. Do you know what day it was in the Hebrew calendar? It was on the 10th of Aviv. It was on the day when the Passover lamb was to be brought into the house. That's the day that Jesus came riding in on a donkey. And where did he go? He went to his father's house. That's why when Jesus was in the temple, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. He was coming to his house. The Passover lamb was brought into the house. And guess what Jesus did for four days? He taught in his house. He taught the people in his house. He ate with them. He played with them. He became their Passover lamb. On the 13th of Aviv, at sundown, this would have been Tuesday, Tuesday night, at sundown, technically that would have begun Passover. So on the evening of Tuesday, on the 13th of Aviv, Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples on Passover. Later that night, he's betrayed. All night long, there's a kangaroo court falsely accusing him of things that he didn't do and condemning him to be crucified. And then at twilight on the 14th of Aviv, 
when all the Passover lambs were being slain, Jesus was hanging on a cross for you and for me. Jesus was being slain at the very moment the Passover lambs were being slain in Jerusalem. And they said that they had to take him off the cross and put him in the ground, bury him, because the next day was Sabbath. Now, many people get this wrong because they automatically think that there's just one Sabbath, the Sabbath that happens on Saturday. But as we just saw, when it comes to the feast days, the first day of the feast day is also a Sabbath, a high Sabbath. And so what is the first day after Passover? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that Feast of Unleavened Bread, that first day of the feast was a Sabbath day. So they had to get Jesus into the tomb and bury him before the end of the day, before the stars came out and revealed that the next day had begun because the next day was the beginning of the first Feast of Unleavened Bread. What did they do to Jesus? They put him underground in the dark. He was in a tomb for three days and three nights. On Friday, the women brought spices to anoint Jesus' body. And then on Saturday was the regular Sabbath. It tells us this in Mark 16.1. And on the regular Sabbath day, they rested. And then it says that they came on the first day of the week. What is the first day of the week? Sunday. What also is it? It's the Feast of First Fruits. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. What does first fruits have to do with the Feast of First Fruits? Resurrection. What happens on when they go to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, and they show up at the tomb? They turn the corner, they look at, at the tomb, and they realize that the stone in front of the tomb has been moved. And they go inside, and they, there's no body there. Jesus isn't there. In fact, there's an angel there, two angels, one at the head, one at the foot, just like the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And what does he say? Why are you lo looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is what? 
risen. He is risen. So, every single date that was prophesied hundreds of years in advance to the day came to pass on that day. It came to pass on that day, to the day. Now, if that doesn't make you a Christian right there, if you don't look at your life and realize that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, yet the Bible told us hundreds of years in advance what was going to happen to the very moment, and that doesn't convince you, then you're just a hard-headed person. That right there alone would blow your mind. It should blow your mind. That right there alone should bring you to the point to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. You see, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it wasn't happenstance. It just wasn't a convenient time for the Romans. He was fulfilling biblical prophecy. And there's only one person in the world that can tell us what's going to happen in advance, and that's God. Satan can't do it. In fact, if you want to just blow Satan's mind, if you just want to confuse Satan, just begin to read the prophetic things to him. Just read, just read prophecy out loud. It blows his mind. He doesn't know anything about it. He, he doesn't see the end from the beginning. Only God does. Get excited about what God says is going to happen in his word. He can't get excited about it because he can't even understand it. He has no clue. But you do because God wants to reveal it to you if you're going to listen. That should conclude our service, but there's more. We have one more festival, one more feast that has to do with the spring feasts. And we read about it in verse 16. It says, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So as I said, seven is the number of the complete Order, the natural order. And so what would seven sevens be? Yes, 49. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Seven sevens would be the complete and total natural order, the whole thing, right? And so it would be the whole natural order wrapped up. And so after seven sevens, then you're going to have plus one. And what's going to happen on that plus one? What is the plus one? What does eight represent? Order that is beyond the natural order. It's supernatural. It's the institution of a supernatural order. So 50 days after the Passover, there would be another feast referred to as the Feast of Weeks. We know it in the book of Acts as the Feast of Pentecost. And as we've studied, the Feast of Pentecost corresponds with the day that God visited the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. It was 50 days after the Passover that God visited 
the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God gave what? The Torah, the law. What was significant about that? Well, what was significant about that is in that moment, God established his kingdom in a people, in a nation. And from that moment forward, they were governed by God. God's government was established in their life. They were governed by God through his word. God descended upon the mountain, on Mount Sinai. And what do we read? When God descended upon the mountain, how did he descend upon the mountain? With fire and with a great shaking. The whole mountain shook. And like everything in God's calendar, this points to something in the future. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, uh, when, when they had come together, it's not for you. Uh, 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 verse, let me just get to verse 8. He says in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so he was talking about something that was beyond the natural order. He was talking about a supernatural order that they were about to encounter, that they were about to step into. And 50 days after the resurrection, 50 days after the Passover, we come to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That was a very large Honda. They were in one place, sorry, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. Literally, it shook the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so what happened On Pentecost, in Mount Sinai, what did God do? God established his kingdom in a people. But what does he do in Acts chapter 2? God establishes his kingdom in a person, in an individual. And when he visited them, how did he come upon them? With fire, just like Mount Sinai, with fire. And just like the whole mountain shook at Mount Sinai, the room shook when the Holy Spirit rushed into that room. It was with fire and with a great shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And from this point forward, from this point forward, they were not governed by the law of sin and death as was with the old covenant. They were now governed by the law of the spirit of life in Christ. They're now led by the Holy Spirit. Before they were led by the law, but now they're led by the Spirit. Now, I know that freaks out some people. They're like, oh, you just gave us all permission to be really strange people. No, because the Holy Spirit is God. God gave the word. The Spirit directed men to write the Scriptures. The scriptures are God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't going to do anything that contradicts the scriptures, that goes against the word of God. 
the Holy Spirit isn't going to do anything that is going to be something that we can not find in the scriptures. He operates within his word. He's God. If you've heard otherwise, heresy, flat out. And so from this point forward, they're governed by God. But there's one more mystery about the Feast of Weeks, about Pentecost. And that is this. It also announced the beginning of the summer harvest. The beginning of the summer harvest. We are now in the summer harvest. That's where we are. Jesus said that the fields are ready to be harvested. And in Matthew 20, it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's for all the short people. Lo, I am with you always. I'm sorry. That's, they don't get any better. Um, <laughs> so God anoints us with his spirit, fills us with his spirit, empowers us by his spirit, and then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Guys, we're going to see this when we look at the fall feast. But I believe more than ever that we're not just in the last days, but we're in the last of the last days. And I believe that judgment is coming. I believe that it is going to be soon because I believe that there's going to be a day of reckoning that the world has never seen. The Bible refers to it as the great tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble, where God is going to deal with the nation of Israel and deliver Israel from all of her enemies and destroy all the false gods and the demonic powers of this world. And he's going to establish himself as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. But before that, there's going to be a great harvest, the end of the harvest. I have friends that are farmers, and when it's harvest time, you know what they do? They cancel their plans. They cancel their social gatherings. They cancel their outings, and they get busy with the harvest because they know that they have a short time to get the fruit or it's going to go bad. Let me ask you something. What is so important in your life? What is so important in your life? The time of harvest is now. It's now. Now is the day of salvation. You can waste it on things that will never come to pass. I had someone tell me, what, what about my book deal? What about this? What about that? What about my movie? What about, it's like, none of that matters. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. What do you want to be part of? What do you want to be involved in? What do you want to spend the last days of your life giving yourself over to? Time is short. I believe that more than ever. Friends, thank you for listening to the program today. You know, the statistics on life are quite staggering. It's been said that one out of every one person is going to die. And on that day, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to meet God? Well, you can be ready. You can have that assurance that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven by praying a simple prayer 
and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be ready to meet you. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean of all the wickedness I've done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer with me right now, I can tell you with full assurance that you are going to be in heaven. Thanks for tuning in to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. We pray today's teaching has been a blessing to you and drawn you closer to your Savior, Jesus Christ. It's possible that today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we're so glad you've joined us today. We want to tell you more about how He can change your life forever. Just visit our website, calvarysanclemente.org, and click on Good News under the Home tab. This will lay out exactly what God's plans were for salvation and how His Son Jesus fits into the picture. You'll also find step-by-step instructions to start this relationship that will make all the difference in your life. If you still have questions or you'd like to talk to someone in person, please don't hesitate to call us. You can reach us at 949-228-9117. Again, that number is 949-228-9117. Do you happen to live in the San Clemente area? If so, come join us this weekend for church. We have services every Sunday and Thursday where we'll dig into the Bible together and spend time getting to know one another in deeper and more meaningful ways. Visit calvarysanclemente.org for service times and directions. You can also be a part of our services virtually. We're streaming through YouTube and Facebook Live as well as on our website. Again, just go to calvarysanclemente.org to connect. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Holland next time for another edition of Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.